You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of King Arthur Legend of the Sword. Why is the water dropped? There are rumors. The legend of the sword of a king other than yourself. Find him. I know your story. What kind of a man would you become? Had you inherited your father's kingdom instead of being raised in a brothel? What gave you such drive? Okay, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, and the story is as follows. When young Arthur's father is murdered, Vortigern, uh, Arthur's uncle, seizes the crown. Robbed of his birthright and with no idea who he truly is, Arthur comes up the hard way in the back alleys of the city. But once he pulls the sword from the stone, his life is turned upside down and he is forced to acknowledge his true legacy whether he likes it or not. The film is starring Charlie Hunnam, Astrid Burgess Frisbee, Jaiman Hansu, Aidan Gillen, Jude Law, and Eric Bana. It is written and directed by Guy Ritchie with co-writers Lionel Wigram and Joby Harrell. Joining me for this review, we have a guest from GetRealMovies.com. Please give it up for Daniel Chadwick, everybody. Thank you, Matt, for inviting me along. Yeah, uh, definitely uh, excited to have a fresh voice here on the show to talk about a film with us. Um, and this certainly is a divisive one. Uh, more so, I think, for a lot of people leaning probably towards the negative side of things. Uh, with that said, what were your expectations heading into King Arthur Legend of the Sword and what did you ultimately think of it? Well, honestly, going into this movie, I was hoping that it would surprise me a bit and uh, maybe surprise a lot of people because uh, I didn't know what was I was expecting. But I was expecting Man from Uncle to be a bit of a disappointment when uh, Guy Ritchie, the same director, made that. And it turned out pretty well. Uh, it's one movie that I think is highly underrated. And I was kind of hoping that we maybe get a little surprise with King Arthur. Uh, I, I really am a big fan of Charlie Hunnam. I know a lot of people kind of say, oh, you know, he, he's not really good in certain roles, but I think he's he's a fantastic actor and has the ability to do some amazing stuff. Uh, just th- th- thinking uh, out of the back of my you know mind this year, he's already made a great movie in The Lost City of Z, which was uh, also kind of ignored. So uh, and you guys talked about it and you were a big fan of it, uh, Matt. So uh, those were my expectations. Uh, I could say I was disappointed. This is not the Guy Ritchie we know and love, and that's too bad. Uh, I, I just felt that um, his direction was actually one of the faults of this movie, was that he just didn't know what he wanted to do. He kind of went from his you know typical uh, Sherlock, you know, cool fighting sa- uh, sequences that you know we all love, but he just kind of he, he the way he put it together was so unorganic and just. Uh, didn't work for me and uh, the roles were you know adequately filled but I, I feel like they weren't written with any perfection like you know in mind with anything really like okay let's shock this audience let's give them a really good movie they just kind of said okay let's make a blockbuster and hope it makes some money uh but uh, when it comes to the two things i absolutely loved about this movie that um a lot of people are not talking about because they're so negative uh, it's the score, which yes. is Pemberton, who I absolutely love from Steve Jobs and from a lot of the other stuff he did. Uh, and I, I did send out a tweet saying I love the score and he retweeted that. So uh, 
I, I guess he's happy. <laughs> and then also uh, John Matheson's cinematography. I thought it looked great. I thought the way he did some shots were, you know, really, really cool, different, and something that we haven't really seen in a $200 million blockbuster before. And, um, like, I, I think it's the way that it was put together that um, ruined it, not the cinematography, because I thought the cinematography was fantastic at times. Yeah, um, I... Okay, so like this is it's a hard film for me to talk about because there are um, pluses and there are negatives here. You know, this to me is like so so Richie, not good guy Richie, not bad guy Richie. You know, this is just somewhere like stuck in the middle um, to address a couple of things that you uh, have brought up. I went into this movie with extremely low expectations. I thought this was going to be like one of the worst films I would see this year. I'm not the biggest fan of Charlie Hunnam, although I did love him in The Lost City of Z, like you said before, and I think it's also his best performance he's ever given. This is not a good Charlie Hunnam performance. Um, This is also from Guy Ritchie, like you said, him really not knowing exactly what he wants to do with this material. And... That just seems to come across in almost every single decision here. Um, he doesn't know if he wants this to be a straightforward fantasy film, if this is supposed to be a medieval uh, epic, if this is supposed to be um, a superhero film, which it kind of comes across as at times, uh, or at least, you know, the story of a, a rise of a hero. And also, he doesn't know if he wants it to, you know, harken back to his trademark style of, uh, you know, tough guy English blokes with uh, <laughs> tough guy speak, you know what I mean? And so when you put all that together, you get what is ultimately a mess of a film here, and that is what King Arthur Legend of the Sword really truly is. You know, so the good things about it, Daniel Pemberton's score is is awesome. I really, really dug it. I downloaded it the moment I got home. Haven't been, uh, haven't stopped listening to it since. I think it's really awesome. Um, Jude Law, who never seems to age, by the way, (laughs) he is like very evil in this movie and it definitely is one note and there's not much depth, I don't think, to his character. Um, The motivations are also, you know, as simple as I just want to yeah, I just want to have power and rule by fear. Yeah. That's it. You know, there's nothing else to his character other than that. Suffice to say, there are um, two m- moments in the film where he does some unthinkable things to gain more power. Or power, And those moments I felt were uh, really, like, I thought they were sold very well by him. Um, the supporting characters in this movie, though, have absolutely zero character development. I have no idea who any of the supporting people in this movie are, and anytime they do start to build somebody up, they're the ones that get killed off. So, I'm like kind of perplexed as to who are the quote-unquote knights of the round table, and why, other than the fact that there are just a couple of English blokes who trade jabs with each other and got each other's backs. I just didn't feel that sense of camaraderie, even from uh, an actor uh, who I absolutely love from Game of Thrones, uh, Aiden Gillen. Oh, yeah, he's um, a great actor. And Jaiman Hansu yeah. as well, who, Jesus, everybody just always seems to cast him in all these uh, historical epic films, I feel like, all the time nowadays. But I, I just... You know, like, I'm, I'm going to sound like a broken record a lot on this. There's so much in this movie that just does not click. No. Um, 
you know, you brought up the cinematography. I, for one, felt that the film was grim. It was devoid of color. It was desaturized. And I felt that when Guy Ritchie matched that in terms of the tone of the film itself, when the film got more serious, that was when the film was at its best. Not when uh, the characters are trying to have funny banter with each other or um, Arthur is like, trying to like throw some sexual jokes at the mage who's like some sort of a sorceress and i was like oh my god please do not have these two hook up whatever you do and luckily the film doesn't do that no. but it's still unnecessary yeah. like I-, I just did you feel that way that when the film got like dark and really serious it was definitely at its best oh 100 and that's that's another thing is i think that like the cinema photographer was told we're gonna make this a nitty-gritty movie and he filmed it in that way. And um, I don't know if you guys know who the cinematographer is. It's John Matheson, who recently came off a like a career best in Logan, probably his best since Gladiator. Um, mm. And uh, I, I might be a tiny bit biased because I recently got to talk to him about Logan and King Arthur. So I might be showing a little bit of my bias here, but I noticed it more. And I absolutely I, I love the dark moments, especially when Arthur has these flashbacks and he has to go through all this like pain. And uh, I'm like Indiana Jones with snakes. I hate snakes. So those scenes made me go, you know, they scared me a little bit just because I oh, despise snakes. I have to stop you there for a second in regards to the snakes bit, okay? Because my issue with that is I don't understand why in God's name their idea of a training montage is – the, in getting like Arthur ready for the final confrontation, um, the mage and Jaiman Hansu pretty much put him through the ringer with having him fight large CGI animals. I just did not understand that at all. And the fact that he was able to obviously survive and it just didn't make sense to me. And it just seemed like it was like a corny, silly blockbustery way to have something giant and epic happen in the film and then when that kind of gets revisited towards the end where there is a big giant snake like creature i was scratching my head like how did we get here what what the hell is happening i'm <laughs> i i don't I, I don't understand no i totally get that uh i just hate snakes with a passion so that's why i was a little bit like okay i don't like the snakes here that that, that was another reason that I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that sounds really petty. You don't like a movie because you're scared of snakes. But I, uh, <laughs> I like I, I like Indiana Jones. I just don't like the part with snakes. <laughs> now, tell me what you think of this. You know, uh, if I pitch this story to you, okay, still directed by Guy Ritchie, mm-hmm. but I tell you we're going to do this on HBO. Mm-hmm. So there'll be nudity, there'll be blood, there'll be uh, foul language, and we're going to do an eight-episode miniseries to give it room to breathe, develop the characters, and tell this epic, long story. Does that make more sense to you than this whole fucking cross-cutting montage bullshit to just get through exposition, which happens, I think, at least three times in the movie? Like... King Arthur is telling a story uh, at one point to this guy uh, named Jack, uh, who is uh, played by uh, Roose Bolton, once again, from uh, another Game of Thrones character. Mm -hmm. And it just keeps cross-cutting back and forth and back and forth. And you realize after a while that it's 
A, confusing, B, disorienting, and C, a cheap way to shave uh, time off the runtime. Yeah, I, I, I could see your point there. Uh, I felt like that, for uh, at least me, that was a funny joke because there was this English TV show. Um, I forget the name of it uh, years ago. And I remember Guy Ritchie saying he loved it. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember what it is. But um, this show used that kind of weird cross-cut thing. So I kind of laughed because I'd seen that TV show before. Um, I, I I wasn't as bothered by that as much as the whole, um, the, just the, how it did it so much. Like, I wasn't bothered that it did it. I was just bothered that it used it so much and it relied on it. And that was kind of, you know, took away from the movie experience. I'm I'm partly British, so I think I laughed at this movie a lot more than most people would. Maybe that's because some of the inside jokes that were more kind of geared towards the British audience. And I've talked to some of my British friends, and they they found it really funny. Um, so I think maybe that might have been one thing that uh, I I had an advantage in when going to the movie. But uh, going back to your HBO thing, uh, I'd have to agree with you 100%. First of all, uh, Charlie Hunnam is ten times better on TV. Uh, like I know you said Lost City of Z, but Sons of Anarchy. I'm sorry, I don't, I, I can't see him beating that performance. Oh yeah, no, I watched the whole show. He's phenomenal in that. He he is phenomenal. Um, and I think he does really well with TV shows. So I think uh, HBO. That's a great idea. Obviously, I know you love HBO uh, and all their shows, but uh, I I would love this as a kind of Game of Thrones style show. I would uh, it would work really well, and they could have a lot of the other cast of characters, but they could develop them a lot more. Uh, like you just look at yeah. TV shows today. I, uh, I've, I've really loved watching. I just finished band of brothers for the first time. And, Ooh. uh, it is my favorite miniseries ever now. Um, just because they do so well where they have, you know, a center character who's in every episode, but they focus on different characters. And I feel like they could do something like that with King Arthur, where, you know, it's mostly about King Arthur, most of the episodes, but they can have other episodes where you see, Maybe, you know, um, Jimon uh, Honsu, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, uh, and, uh, you know, his character, see, you know, how he became the man he is. And maybe, you know, the first episode is all about how Arthur was raised in the kingdom and then his kind of at the end to show the deep fall. Um, and uh, I, I definitely agree. I think you got it spot on. It would have been much better as a series. Or if they had done kind of a Lord of the Rings where they made it three movies and taken their time. Well, that's their plan. You, you could tell by the end of this movie, their plan is to make more. But they put so much in this movie that for me, I'm not invested in going seeing the sequel. I will, obviously, if it comes out because I'll have to review it probably. <laughs> but um, yeah, they didn't. Uh, they, they tried to put too much in this film. It was way too convoluted. Uh, it didn't feel like a like a movie almost it felt like uh, a music video <laughs> like montage almost oh, it was uh, to me it felt like a video game at times oh, I, I don't know if you've ever played uh uh lord of the Rings: shadow of yes Mordor. i did holy crap you are right <laughs> the excalibur fighting scenes oh my god directly ripped from that video game dude oh my lord <laughs> and then um the final uh fight god of war vibes 100 percent wow i uh i I would agree with you up to the uh weird looking demon (laughs) you know the other thing too in regards to something uh like that as well is we're talking here about you know the set pieces a little bit now uh tell me if you think this was the highlight of the film Uh, i really thought that the assassination attempt 
the subsequent chase and then the uh, I guess standoff in the courtyard. Uh, I thought all of that, that like 20 to 25 whole sequence of the film was probably the best part of the movie. Do you agree? Uh, it was one of my favorite parts. I love their inventive use of GoPro. Um, GoPros still haven't made it fully into um, into uh, into blockbusters today. And I think that that was a really cool use of it and really inventive. I also thought that it was a really well choreographed scene. Uh, there were so many different uh, angles, different pieces that you had to look at. And uh, a lot of people gave it shit in the trailer because we saw parts of it in the trailer. Um, I remember our, uh, our, one of our writers, Tom McGinnis, he was uh, just completely shitting on it because of that one scene. But I thought it ended up really well done in the movie. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a Guy Ritchie-ism. Oh, yes, you know, 100%. To do something like that. 100%. And, but my, I have to say, my favorite scene uh, is just seeing Arthur kind of uh, kind of fight as he grows up you see him grow up and like uh fight and get this gold i kind of i liked how guy Ritchie used that like it, it kind of it was a montage but it was well done and it didn't distract you and it was kind of cool seeing him grow up and become more and more of a fighter i i kind of liked that because it it was quick i know you didn't get to really delve into his character but you get to see him become tough and honestly like charlie on him you know that guy's tank so He's a good, he's a nice guy to look at on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hear what you're saying there. Um, okay, why don't we throw it off to final thoughts okay. and then a grade out of 10 and any Oscar potential that you may foresee for this uh, and we'll wrap it up. Uh, so final thoughts, grade out of 10, Oscar potential, take it away. Okay, final thoughts is I think this uh, movie had a lot of potential. It had a potential to become something that would have surprised us. It had potential to maybe become a new Lord of the Rings in uh, some people's eyes, obviously not reaching those heights, but it had that. Or the Game of Thrones of cinema. Yeah, okay. yeah, the Game of Thrones of cinema. That's a good way of putting it. Um, I think their PG-13 rating really killed them. I think uh, Guy Ritchie, for the most part, works a lot better a lot better under an R rating. Uh, obviously, there are some exceptions to that rule with, you know, Sherlock Holmes, the first one, and even Man from Uncle. Uh, but even that felt at times a little too pulled back for my taste. Uh, I think King Arthur would have done much better with an R rating. I think it would have ended up much better if they had not um, gone so crazy and just kind of kept it to when he was an adult. And honestly, I didn't really care about his dad that much. I didn't care about that character. Yes, Eric Bana. Oh, poor Eric Bana. I know. I'm sorry, Eric Bana. Yeah, like, you know, I, I like him, but I, I didn't care. I wanted to see, I was here to see Arthur. I was here to see what he could have done. Uh, I felt the screenwriting as someone who, you know, has started screenwriting for a while or been screenwriting for a while. I really look into that. I really, you know, want to see some well-written dialogue. I didn't get a lot of that. Um, the only scenes that really stood out in terms of dialogue were some of the uh, banter scenes that worked really well, but those were few and far between. Um, I think that this movie had really, like you said, dark, gritty cin cinematography, and I really liked it. And especially once the movie became dark and gritty, as it did sometimes, it really worked well. And that's the whole kind of, it could have been the cinematic Game of Thrones. And that's the whole, I wish it could have been an R rating. But um, those are my final thoughts. Great out of 10, I would probably give it 
Uh, I'm going to be generous. Do you do half points or do you just do... Uh, no, no, nah, nah. I make people make the hard choice. Okay, you make... Uh, so no half points. Ooh, okay. Well, um, just because I was so impressed by the cinematography and the score, I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. I think that's being pretty generous okay. still. Um, mm-hmm. But it definitely... I think it is. It definitely isn't the worst movie I've seen this year. Uh, I had the um, unpleasantness of going to see Snatched. I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't be sitting on another movie on the King Arthur podcast, but it is definitely not my worst movie of the year seen in theaters. Uh, And uh, Oscar, the only Oscar thing I could see for it, which it probably won't because it's so early in the year, but I'd love it if it got nominated for uh, Best Original Score. I thought Daniel Pemberton did something really unique and different, and it's something unlike any movies really done before. And I, I, I really appreciated that. Yeah, especially with those, like, the breathing cues oh, uh, yeah. and how they incorporate that. Like, that that was awesome. Oh, I, the brilliant. whole score is really phenomenal. Yes, I, uh, I had to bike back from the cinema that I went to see it. And I found some Wi-Fi before I went on my bike and just said, just played, like, three, four songs that I really loved from uh, the Arthur soundtrack. And it really got me pumped on my bike. I was just going... <sighs> um so for myself um this is just a middle of the road film where it's just totally all over the place if they had heeded my advice (laughs) they could have made something truly special here but instead it's just another summer blockbuster that isn't outright terrible like some people are making it out to be but it is still not great um there are some admirable uh qualities to it daniel pemberton's score like you said john matheson's cinematography Guy Ritchie sometimes nails certain moments, but then his style does get in the way of other things, and I wish he had shown just a little bit more restraint. Um, The costumes and the production design, I actually don't think that they're phenomenal at all. I think the production design is way too open, not detailed and intricate enough, Um, and I also feel that the costumes are bland and boring for the most part. So Yeah. You know, this is just a mixed bag of a movie in so many different respects. I, You know, you have Charlie Hunnam, who is his wooden, uncharismatic uh, self in the lead role here, um, even though he still has likable charm sometimes. I don't – he's like such a frustrating actor to me. But then there's uh, one of the worst performances I've seen this year um, from the actress that plays the mage in this movie. She was weird. <laughs> Her line readings, oh my god! I don't know if that's her fault or Richie's fault, but man, did she didn't she didn't sound good at all. No. Uh, it, it was very very weird to say the least. You're you're right about that. Um, and are there any other final thoughts that I have? Yes, you know what? Spoiler alert: Merlin is a character that is talked about throughout the movie, and we never see him. Yeah. And that was very disappointing to me because I was hoping for like some sort of a celebrity cameo at the end that would be like the holy shit like that's Merlin and then credits and it's like oh like oh that'd be awesome to see that in the next movie nope none of that didn't get it and that was very disappointing and now to they're me, not so. gonna make another movie because it's gonna completely flop like 100% yep so just a missed opportunity all around Guy Ritchie you should have hired Matt to consult you be a consultant right God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, well, why why would he ever listen to me? Uh, great out of ten, I give it a four out of ten. Okay, um, and and I think that's being generous on my part because I also have to say I was not bored while watching this movie. I was definitely confused. I was definitely scratching my head, but I was not bored, and that does say something. 
an Oscar potential. Yeah, man, I really wish Daniel Pemberton's score could be remembered come year's end. But with such a critically um, assaulted film, <laughs> there's just no way that he's going to be able to survive that all the way to the end of the year, unfortunately. so. Well, what we got to do, Matt, is uh, come uh, October time, we got to start – uh, like a film Twitter, like hashtag to get Pemberton back on the map, you know? We right, gotta, start banging the drum, basically. Yeah, we got to do know? it. We'll do it together, man. We got this. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could reach out to him and have him give like an interview or something. Uh, whatever the case may be, it would be really awesome to get him in the conversation because it is the best score I think I've heard this year so far. Um, yeah. Yeah, I w- I, I, I'm very confident in saying that. I think it is the best score I've heard so far this year, even though the year is young. Yeah, and uh, his score for Steve Jobs, I still listen to. It still haunts me to this day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and a lot of people, uh, just I'm going off a little tangent here, a lot of people make comparisons of that score to The Social Network uh, because that film got compared to The Social Network mm-hmm. a lot. And while it's not as good as that score, um, it is still a phenomenal score on its own. I'm very excited to see what other work he puts out in the future because yeah. combination of that and this, th- the fact that he created a score like this for a movie that's not even that great shows me that he knows what he's doing. <laughs> you know, he'd be my go-to composer if I were to make a movie and I had enough, you know, like money. I would hire him without like a without a thought. I'm telling you, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, why don't you tell everybody, Dan, where they can find you on the internet? Thank you very much, sir. Uh, like Matt here, uh, I also have a podcast uh, called Get Real Movies. Uh, it can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all those podcast sites. And uh, yeah, we also have a blog that goes alongside that. Um, and it's called GetRealMovies.com. It's spelled G-E-T-R-E-E-L. M-O-V-I-E-S, uh, and our site and our podcast, in a way, is all about uh, giving millennials a voice, um, just getting, um, you know, that there's there's some smart millennials out there. We're not all just dumb, and we're not all just uh, looking at movies for entertainment. Some of us are, you know, trying to be real film critics, so uh, we just want to make sure that people know that there are good young voices out there that are looking for you know uh movies to surprise them but also not always looking for the most negative thing in movies which i feel like a lot of film critics do today so uh it's uh, it's a great site we do contests uh in canada right now but we're going to start doing some stuff in the states as well uh and uh definitely check us out and thanks again matt for uh for inviting me on i had a lot of fun talking about this movie with you yeah yeah no and i appreciate you being here uh definitely everybody check out getrealmovies.com uh you know it's not every day that you see a site that like you said is giving millennials that kind of a voice uh and a platform to express that voice so that's really really awesome and i really appreciate the work that you do you can find me at next best picture on twitter And this has been our review of King Arthur Legend of the Sword. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, and Player FM. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, and we will see you all next time. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. 
Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.